Hey everyone, welcome to the Wild and Uncut podcast brought to you by Ruger. I'm your host, Christy Titus. Thank you for tuning in. The line is going hot, so let's go full send on this episode. Calling the elf to their car so they don't have to pack it as far. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's hard to get everything perfect with bow hunting and have it all come together. And the more experiences you have, the more prepared you are when things happen in the woods. He's like, I've been hunting for six years too, and she goes by herself and... Darn girls! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, everybody. I am here in big sky country, Montana, with Miss Miranda Huff, and we are Wild Nun Cut. Yes. Super excited. (laughs) This is like our first... A girl, like, blind date? (laughs) Yeah. We got set up on a blind date, like, several years ago, and it never (laughs) happened. So we're finally making it happen. Yeah. It's a super funny story. The company that does my jewelry, Montana Silversmiths, Judy Wagner there is like, hey, Christy, you have to meet this girl, Miranda. She's into bodybuilding fitness. She's super outgoing, loves hunting, is in the outdoors, and you need to meet her. And I was like, okay, you're right. (laughs) I need to meet her. So I started following you online. And flash forward, it's been like a year and a half. Yeah. Year and a half or two years, something like that. Yeah. And I reached out to her. I was like, hey, Miranda, I'm going to be in Montana and I'd love to do a podcast with you because I'm launching this new podcast. Hopefully we're calling it Wild and Uncut with Christy Titus. We'll see. Um, But I want to sit down with you and tell everybody your story because you're such an incredible young woman and you're doing some amazing things that are just really Like last year you aired a bull elk by yourself in (laughs) Montana and your story was so awesome. Like your reaction to that moment, everything was so profound for me as a follower of yours and so genuine. Uh, It's it's just been incredible getting to know you through the eyes and lens of social media. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, it's been quite a journey and super fun just kind of especially like I'm only 25. So mm-hmm. jumping into kind of like the outdoors industry as an adult, like not going with my dad all the time and that kind of stuff. Um, it's been a fun journey of growth and mm-hmm. learning and meeting awesome people. And just, I don't know, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm super excited about it. And I'm excited to chat more about it for yeah. sure. So she has this really cute story where she followed Jana Waller for like ever online. And she's like... <laughs> Tell the story about Janet. This is so funny. Yeah. So when I was in high school, um, my dad watched Jana's TV show, uh, Schoolbound TV. Mm -hmm. And um, he ended up buying me the women's Martin archery compound bow that Jana Waller shot. It was my first compound bow I ever shot. And um, anyways, I just... I, you know, started following her and I actually ended up reaching out to her because, like, my dream when I was a little girl was to have like a hunting show. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I reached out to Jana and I was like, Jana, like, could you tell me how you got where you are? Mm-hmm. Because like someday I want to be you. Yeah. And um, she never saw the message or read the message until like probably a year and a half ago when um, I like reacted to a story of her saying she was going to be at this uh, conference or this Mm -hmm. meetup in Bozeman for women hunters. And she's like, I'm going to tell my story there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I sent you that message like 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Social media, whatever happens on social media, it always lives. It never goes away. So don't ever forget that. Yeah. Um, So anyway, she reached out to me and she's like, yeah, I'd love to tell you about it. You should come to this conference thing. And I was like, um, I, I can't make it this that weekend, but um, anyways, we we started connecting and following, and now we're like kind of like you and I, yeah. like we follow each other, comment on each other's mm-hmm. stuff. She knows who Your I IG am. Friends, <laughs> she knows who I am. <laughs> well, it's but, incredible. Social media is such a great place for us to create like the sisterhood of inspiration, where you know we can follow each other and see what everybody's doing and find inspiration in that. And really, that's what it's all about: is inspiring others to get out there and try new things. And um, how did you get started with hunting? I know your dad is super into fishing and hunting. Is mm-hmm. that kind of where your foundation is in hunting? Yeah. So when I was growing up. Um, from the time I was like probably two or three years mm-hmm. old, my dad would like take me along to the duck blind. And um, there's actually a picture of me when I was like two, I think. 
and I was carrying his arrow, like um, his quiver. Yeah. I was like his arrow caddy. <laughs> so we would walk around the archery course together and I'd car- carry his arrows. And um, so really from the time I was super little, yeah. I just tagged along and then um, took hunter's safety when I was 11, I mm-hmm. think, and shot my first deer that year. Um, I actually had just turned 12 when I shot my first deer. Mm-hmm. And um, just ever since, it's been, you know, an every season kind of family tradition mm-hmm. type thing. And, you know, once I graduated high school and kind of moved off on my own and went to college, um, I didn't always have the opportunity to go with my dad. Yeah. And I wanted to be able to hunt more than sometimes he was able to. And so um, I started finding other people to hunt with and other friends. and. Um, even like started dabbling in a little bit of solo hunting too, just because as a female in the industry, sometimes when you hunt with guys, they think that you want to be in a relationship with them. So guys, um, just because we like hunting (laughs) and we want to go hunting with you does not mean we want to date you. (laughs) So anyways, yeah. Enter the friend zone. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, yeah, there was like, uh, I learned like, pretty early on, like when I started hunting with some of these guys that like invited me to go or I asked them if I could tag along and like learn from them. Um, I learned that you kind of have to like set those boundaries and Mm -hmm. like, uh, do that whole thing. So hunting solo was kind of just like an easy way for me. It was easier for you to not have to navigate the complexities (laughs) of explaining to someone that you just want to be friends. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So anyways, just kind of started like really learning how to hunt by myself Mm -hmm. um, without my dad like coaching me Mm -hmm. and like walking through every step and like telling me how to stalk a deer and Mm -hmm. um, picking the spots and e-scouting and Mm -hmm. all those things like I just recently over the last seven or eight years started doing that um, myself and so it's been you know even though I've been hunting for you know, 25 years. You're still it, young. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, you got to yeah. give yourself some grace. You don't learn everything overnight. <laughs> no. I'm still learning and oh, I'm gosh. twice your age. So I, yeah, I don't think it ever stops. No, I don't think it ever stops. I think even the best hunters out there have more to learn. Oh yeah. You, so. that's one thing in life I always say is never stop learning because, um, the more you learn, the more you realize you need to learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so humbling Mm -hmm. and nothing will humble you more than hunting and shooting and um that is an absolute fact so let's talk about how you transitioned from like hey i'm in a virtual scout i'm doing this stuff to now you have your bow in your hand you're sitting at a wallow by yourself and you're drawn back on a branch bull and you successfully arrowed your first elk first elk by yourself right yeah yeah, so that that had actually been like six years in the making. So like it all came together so perfectly, but like it was a long time coming. And I can kind of just like maybe walk you through like mm-hmm. the five years previous yeah. to that and what happened. So um, the first year I'm having like, woo, hair issues. <laughs> We're in big sky country. It's also windy. <laughs> yeah, I definitely should not have put lip gloss on. <laughs> no, always wear lip gloss. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wearing it That's always. Funny. Even when I hunt, you guys make fun of me. It's fine. I can handle it. You can make fun of me all you want, but <laughs> whatever. I wear it. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> um, so the first year that I um, archery hunted elk, I was with my dad actually, and I was still in high school. Um, and we just hiked around. We saw a couple bulls from a distance, couldn't really close the distance. Yeah. And I ended up getting stung by like a hornet's nest. And I mean, like literally like 20 hornets and my whole hand swelled up so much that like you couldn't even see my fingers. Oh boy. Um, so we had to leave a little early <laughs> and, um, I, we didn't get to finish out that hunt, but, um, she ends up in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, no, like lots of Benadryl. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> um, so that was the first year. And then I went off to college on the East coast for a couple years and I didn't get to hunt what while did I was you out study? there. Um, engineering. Okay. She's a smart girl also. <laughs> so, um, went to college for a couple of years, didn't get to hunt, came back. And then, um, my first year back hunting elk here in Montana with my bow, I was with one of my like longtime lifelong friends and we went and hiked up into the mountains way further back in than we probably should have been with just two people. Cause mm-hmm. you know, an elk is a huge animal they're and very big and, and they're a lot to handle. Yeah. And it was just two of us on foot. And anyways, um, got into some elk, ended up calling one into 50 yards opening weekend. 
um, it was really thick timber in there and there was just no shot. So, um, from that experience though, I started to realize like what it was going to take to actually harvest a bull Mm -hmm. with your bow. Um, I didn't have an arrow knocked. I didn't have my release, like really set up the way I needed it to be. Um, I had just excited ranged. and caught up in the moment. Yeah, I didn't have a range fight. I didn't take my range finder out to kind of like pre-mark mm-hmm. locations. So like if that bull actually would have been like shootable, I wouldn't have been ready to shoot it. So from that experience, you know, don't I learned. Don't beat yourself up. Oh yeah, no. I no, did the I same did. thing. Like my first bull, he came in 45 yards and I was by myself. My arrow was knocked and I sat there and I looked at it. <laughs> and I didn't even drop my bow. I was like, ah. Yeah. There's an elk. Uh, I didn't shoot. (laughs) Yeah. So that was the only experience that I had or close encounter that I had year two. But that experience like gave me so much knowledge moving into year three. Mm -hmm. And year three, I ended up drawing a special tag here Mm -hmm. in Montana, which was because I had been hunting the general units before, which is good, but there's better places in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and so we ended up scouting pretty much all summer, my friends and I, and we found and patterned some bulls Mm -hmm. and we're like, okay, this is going to be great. So, um, opening weekend went in, I, um, had this huge six point bull, um, sprinting towards us at one point in time. And like, I, I literally could not stop my legs from going like this. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, so, and then you go to yeah. draw your bow and your arrows going. Wing, wing, wing. So <laughs> I literally, I looked to my friend and I was like, you have to take the shot because I'm not going to be able to yeah. do it. So um, anyways, he ended up taking the shot. Um, and then the following year, um, we got into him again. Um, opening weekend, opening weekend. It seems to be a trend. That's yeah, um, good. You got, got a good into pattern a, on them. You got it figured yeah. out. They haven't been ran around. Yeah. Um, so opening weekend ended up cow calling in this like five point. It was a pretty good bowl. It was just a five point. Um, and I was like ready at this point in time. I was like, okay, nerves are cooled down. Like I've seen this before. I've learned from the past couple years experience. Mm-hmm. I ended up taking a shot at like 30 yards and, um, I hit that like no zone, mm, a like high. yeah, high and like not in any bones, like literally like, slid right between any vitals and his backbone. Um, and so we tracked that bull for probably, I think it was like six miles and you're crying and heartbroken yeah, and devastated. Yep. And, and I ended up uh, notching my tag, but I did see the bull like three or four weeks later and he was bugling and running around. And so he was fine. Um, I'm sure he didn't have any issues yeah. but um so that was pretty heartbreaking and I was like well maybe I shouldn't be a bow hunter like so I w- went through that whole thing yeah. and I think a lot of people go yeah. through that mental process where you beat yourself up when yep. it's hard to get everything perfect with bow hunting and have it all come together and the more experiences you have the more prepared you are when things happen yep. in the woods yep so anyways I had to deal with that like mental stuff that I think most bow hunters mm-hmm. deal with that at some point. I mean, the longer you bow hunt, you're probably bound to have, you know, a bad shot or a good shot and never be able to find the animal. So um, it was kind of like heartbreaking that that was my first experience. Um, but you didn't quit. No, I didn't quit. I My dad was like very instrumental in that. He's like, you know what? Like I've been hunting my whole life and those things are going to happen. But if you don't get back out there, you're never going to be able to experience it. Yeah. So um, anyways, notched my tag, got back out there the next year. Um, the next year, my my now husband, Travis, was guiding elk hunts at Opal Butte, which I think you've yeah. hunted at Opal mm-hmm. Butte before. Um, and so he was guiding out there and I went because Kathy, um, Jim, uh, Kathy's, his, his Kathy's, wife. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she had um, pretty serious cancer oh um and we can talk about that later but she wasn't able to like cook and spend as much time in the kitchen as she had in previous years um just because she was going through chemotherapy and all sorts of stuff so last minute um Casey Hawker the Mm -hmm. owner called and he's like hey can you come cook so I went out there while Travis was guiding I cooked and um so we spent pretty much the whole month of September 
in Oregon. Yeah. And I didn't really have a whole lot of time to archery hunt that year, but we did have about a week. And so as soon as we were done guiding, we headed out back to Montana. Um, we had a week planned to hunt and Travis was still an Idaho resident at that point. So he didn't have a tag for Montana. So it was only me that was hunting. Um, and the first couple days, my old spots that I'd scouted in the past, we didn't see any fresh elk signs. So we're like, okay, we have to move somewhere else. And so we basically just like picked a spot on the map that looked good. And we went there and we ended up seeing like six or seven four point bucks that I was like, I would kill any one of those yeah. bucks. So we ended up going on a stock to like try to get into these bucks and they blew out and we're like, okay, whatever. Like, let's just head back to the truck and see if we can glass something else up. And, um, Travis was like, I'm just going to let out one last bugle just for the heck of it. And this like booming bugle just like sounded back like immediately on the, like on the other side of our truck. So we're here, our truck's here and the bull's here. Our truck is literally in between, in between the bull. They're calling the elk to their car so they don't have to pack it as far. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I could have never, like, I would have never guessed. But, um, so anyways, we, we like sprint to get on the other side of the truck and, um, I get set up and, um, we hear this bull. He just is bugling, bugling, bugling. We can hear the cows. Um, and, Next thing I know, I'm set up. There's uh, an opening, like any direction that I go, the only shot that I would have is like 20 yards. So mm -hmm. I was like, perfect. Like that's, that's an easy shot any day of the week. Um, and so Travis is, you know, calling, the bull's responding. He's coming closer. Then he kind of holds up on the top of the hill and we yeah. got our, our first look at him. And it is just a giant bull. Like three years ago, he was probably like 380. Yeah. Um, so one of the bigger bulls I've ever seen on the hoof. Um, and Travis is like, okay, he like needs something else to come in. So yeah. he reaches down to like grab a branch to like scrape Great. a tree. Yeah. And um, one of the cows like pins Travis yeah. and they take off. So anyways, the bull was coming in, ended up uh, spooking one of the cows and they took off and we tried to dog him a little ways, but um, that was kind of it. And then it was dark. So, um, we ended up packing up, went back to camp and where we were hunting, when it gets muddy, it's like, you can't get out. Yeah. And it started downpouring that night. So, and then the forecast was basically downpouring for the next four days. So pretty much the whole rest of my hunt, we couldn't get back into that spot. Um, so it was like this close, but like not quite there. I think the bull held up at like 80 yards. Mm -hmm. So that's a common, that's a common distance for them to hang up. I mean, yeah. that's, that's their comfort zone where they're going to stand back and look and check things out. Like, Hmm, do I see elk? Yeah. I'm hearing elk, but where are they? That's, yes. that's shooter collar pairs is, you know, working <laughs> together and trying to yeah. get them to, to break that 80 yard distance is tough. Yeah. 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 And the country was just so weird. It was very like, it wasn't just like a, a hillside or a ridge or anything. It was like a lot of different cuts mm -hmm. and like, different things. So like there was really no way that we could have got closer, um, and still had a shot. Yeah. So, and like, you don't want to be at the bottom of like a Creek or anything like that. So, um, it worked out the way it did, but the good news was, was we were like, okay, we know exactly where we're going to start for our scouting yes. the following year, which was last year. Yeah. So, um, anyways, we got in there around like shed hunting season last year, which was like I don't know, probably like April or so. April, I think, is when we started shed hunting in there. Mm -hmm. And we actually, I mean, we didn't find a whole lot of sheds in April, but we did set up some game cameras. Um, we found a few, like, water holes and stuff like that. Set You're up putting a few. in the work. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And um, we did see a lot of elk when we were in there, though. So they're wintering in there and they're summering in there. They're there they just all like the it. time. Mm -hmm. um, and it's one of those spots where it is public land, um, but it's not easily, I mean, it is easily accessed, but when you look at a map, you're not like, oh, that's a road that I can drive in mm -hmm. on. So it's one of those situations. And we've just found this little honey hole that so far nobody knows about, Yeah. um, which is awesome. And the elk love it there. Yeah. So, um, don't tell anybody <laughs> where this is, <laughs> um, I put a GPS pin on it. Yep. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> So anyways, starting in April, we set game cameras, went back and checked them, scouted, you know, glassed things up, watched these bulls grow. 
I think by the end of the season, um, late August, before we pulled our cameras, because you can't have them out um, during hunting season here in Montana, um, I think we had at least 36 point bulls on camera. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. So we're like... If I don't shoot something this year, I did something significantly wrong. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> there can be 30 in there today and a week later. Yeah, that's so true. Everything changes and they just vanish. For yeah. such a big animal, it is incredible how fast elk can literally disappear yeah. and leave very little sign. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah, so that's actually exactly what happened. So um, my dad and I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah shocking yeah elk so, disappear <laughs> i was like okay i know exactly what water tank i'm going to show up on and actually i didn't really want to water tank them yeah i wanted to call them in and have that whole experience and um which is an incredible experience yeah, yeah. so i wanted that to be how it happened um but my dad and i went in to check the cameras a couple weeks before the season actually like the week before the season opened and um there was nothing on camera, mm -hmm. like for the last week. Yeah, and I was like, we were getting Your, my shoe in, in situation is yeah. not looking as bright as it was. Yeah. So okay, we're like, okay, Plan B. What's Plan B? And I just kind of like did what I, what we did last time. I was like, okay, let's pick a spot on a map. Opening weekend, let's go here. It's gonna be good. We ended up actually seeing a really nice bowl mm -hmm. the day before the opener, and. Um, we went after him the first morning of the season. Um, he wasn't really responsive to calls. He was bugling, but he was just kind of bugling away mm -hmm. from us. And we never could get on him. And then it was supposed to downpour again. So we're like, okay, we have to pack up camp and leave. Um, and so that was opening weekend. And then the second weekend um, was when I had to go out by myself. And I was like, I'm just going to go back to our spot that we had cameras out all mm -hmm. year on. And I'm just going to see if I can find the elk. Yeah. I'll glass them up. I'll walk ridges and glass and sit and watch and just see what's going on. Um, Travis was hunting with one of his buddies, so he couldn't come. Um, but yeah, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to go see what I can find in this area. So tell me, this is technically the first time you've hunted solo, correct? I, I've hunted like turkeys and deer solo, okay. but like This is your first trips, elk yeah. hunt. Like going by yourself, tell me, like, tell the viewers or listeners, like the thought process you had, were you afraid? Were you nervous? Because there's a lot of women or new hunters out there that the first time they step into the woods can be extremely intimidating. And, you know, what, how did you walk yourself through that? Um, you know, it, I think it had just been years and years of like, not necessarily hunting by myself, but you know, growing up outside, hiking, I'd done a lot of backpacking and like You felt hiking. prepared and confident. Yeah, yeah. Like in just all the other, you know, elk scenarios I've been in mm -hmm. and then being out, you know, with Travis when he guides elk hunts mm -hmm. and just being around all these other friends of mine that I've, one of the biggest things that I've done to like learn to hunt is like say like, hey, can I come be a pack mule? Yeah. And I have gone on so many That's a great so way to learn hunts. is just by observing. Yeah, I've gone on so many hunts and given up so many of my seasons to go with other people just so I could learn. Because, like I said, you know, you learn, you learn from your dad. Doing. Yeah, you learn from your dad when you're growing up, but yeah. he doesn't always teach you, you know. Sometimes he just helps you. Yeah. And so um, I really wanted to, like, learn how mm -hmm. to be self-sufficient and how to, like, be able to, like, put myself in these situations mm -hmm. and know what to do. So um, it'd been lots of years of that. And then, you know, um, just being in the backcountry and hiking and fishing by mm -hmm. myself over the years, like it had built up kind of courage to go on, go and do the elk hunt by myself. So you um, run an Onyx, you have your Onyx, you know where you're parked, you have an action plan and you're moving in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I got to camp um, the first night. I got there late afternoon. It was probably like five o'clock. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was getting dark out about 8.30-ish at that point in time. Um, and so I was like, before I even set up camp or anything, I'm just going to go glass this hillside that mm -hmm. I know I've seen elk on before. And so I'm walking down the ridge with my bow and my calls and stuff. And I get up over the top and look down and there is three cows and two bulls. <laughs> and Thank I'm like, you. I'm like, okay, Jesus. so they are here. Yes. <laughs> I was like, ah. and so they, um, they saw me, but they didn't wind me. 
Um, and so they kind of just like slowly walked away mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, well at least the wind was in my favor. Um, cause if you they didn't blow them out of there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so anyways, um, I was like, okay, I'm not going to push them. I'm just going to go back to camp, set up camp in the light, um, make some food and then just get some sleep so I can get up in the morning. So did all that, woke up the next morning, hiked down the road, um, up the trails and, um, to the ridge that I wanted to glass from, which is kind of like above where mm -hmm. I saw those elk the night before and, um, ended up seeing another herd of elk. Mm -hmm. There was like four bulls and I don't know, probably six cows or something, um, and a couple calves. And they were just kind of like slowly feeding their way up over the top of this ridge. And I was like, okay, that's perfect. Like they'll go up over the top of the ridge, bent down, maybe like a quarter of the way down the other side mm -hmm. of the ridge. And I can just hike up over the top um, and, you know, try to call one of the bulls out of his bed or something. That was kind of my plan. Yeah. And Afternoon, wind's coming up. Yeah. You got everything in your favor. It's good. So that was my plan. Um, and then I realized that I didn't bring any food. So I was like, of course. So I had to walk back to camp to get food. And um, I was like feeling like super sleepy by this point in time. <laughs> I don't know why, probably because I got up so early, but... Um, I was like, I'm just going to take a quick, like 20 minute power nap, get mm -hmm. some water, get some food and then head back out. And, um, so that was probably around like 10 o'clock in the morning. And then I fell asleep in my cot for 20 minutes and woke up at like three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I woke up at three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and I was like, well, my plan to do what I was going to do is not going to work now because prime time would have been like probably between 11 and two, um, two is kind of pushing it. But so I was like, okay, what do I do? And I just made the decision to not chase after them. And I was like, I'm just going to go sit that water tank. Mm -hmm. They're probably going to come in. They've been there the last couple nights. It seems like I saw them there the night before and so I was like, okay, I'm just going to go sit like that Sounds like a great tank. plan to me. Yeah. So, which is not how I wanted to hunt them, but I was like, you know what? I do have a long season, but at the same time, like, I really just want to get this first bull under my belt because it's been a long time in mm -hmm. the making and it'll just be a huge confidence mm -hmm. boost if I could just it's make a it happen. accomplishment, yeah. yeah. Especially, like, by myself, I was like, man, it'd be awesome. So I went and sat, um, sat this water hole. Um, I was... I think I was 35 yards away from like the wallow water hole. Mm -hmm. um, and I built myself kind of like a little makeshift blind because um, I had assumed they were going to come in from the front. Um, and so I marked with my rangefinder like all the different places they may come in from like the front. Except for where they actually came in from. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so storybook. Like, yeah. like if you were to read a playbook on what elk do and what you think they're going to do, they're always the different. <laughs> like, it's just, you don't ever know. It's crazy yeah. how they do that. It's so uncanny. So, yeah, it was so frustrating too because I was like, okay, this is perfect. The wind is going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. It's blowing in my face. Um, they're not going to wind me because they're going to be coming from this direction, not this direction. So anyways, I'm sat up, like sat against a tree, have some like brush and stuff in front of me, um, ranged all the places that they could possibly come from. And, um, I just sit there and I'm like waiting for like three hours mm -hmm. and I'm like about ready. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's because I'm not a tree stand hunter, but I get so impatient and I'm like, yeah. they're not going to come. Yeah. They're not going to come. Like, what am I doing here? I might as well go run up that ridge and try to glass. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, that's kind of going through my head. And I just like forced myself. I was like, you have five more days after today. Just hang just tight. Just sit and s just wait. Yeah. And so I, I forced myself to sit and wait. And next thing I know, like 30 minutes later, um, I hear some like rocks rolling down the hill and the three cows and two calves and two bulls like kind of start making their way down the hill kind of behind me honestly so i'm here the water holes here and the elk are coming down from like here from your uh, they're like down direct <laughs> yeah. dead downwind from exactly. you exactly <laughs> oh boy but this actually ends up working for my favor and i'll tell you why so um to my right there's like a little creek bottom mm -hmm. and it's super brushy you can't see into it and it's deep enough that like an elk will stand in it and you can't see them. Mm -hmm. So that's where the elk were headed. They um, ran down this hillside behind me and I, I turned around and like 
you know, did the whole like mm-hmm. eyeball thing because mm-hmm. I didn't want to make a whole lot of movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and they ran down in the creek bottom and they're just, I can hear them like making noise and stuff down there, like breaking leaves and whatever. And I'm like, okay, I better like range that hillside over there just in case they go back up, then I can potentially make a shot. And so I ranged it and pretty much the closest distance was going to be about like 50 or 60 yards. So that's a long pretty shot. long shot. But I'm pretty comfortable with that. I, I shoot a lot of the total archery challenges and stuff and shoot out to 100 yards pretty frequently. So I was confident I could make a 50 or 60 yard shot. Anything further than that, I wouldn't have taken. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were either going to go back up the other hillside from the direction they came if they winded me. Or they were going to keep coming and they would have literally been like three yards away from me. Yeah. So I was like, this is not ideal. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, so I'm like waiting for them to come like walk up in front of me. And all of a sudden the wind just big gust of wind blows and they must have winded me because they all started like running up the other side. Um, the cows were the first ones to start sprinting mm-hmm. off and the bulls were kind of like slowly moving. Um, and I ended up just like cow calling a couple times really quick and the bull that I wanted to shoot stopped and he was at about 50 yards and I was I made a shot so and then he ran like 80 yards and tipped over and I got to watch it all so (laughs) yeah it was awesome it was it was great and um I after you know experiencing that bull that I had shot two years prior that Mm -hmm. I didn't you know recover um it was really nice to be able to watch that bull tip over Mm -hmm. and um, know that you'd done everything right. Yeah, exactly. So, and it's a huge accomplishment having yeah. done that, especially by yourself. You're bow hunting. You're a woman. You're on public land. You're by yourself, and you call your husband and you're like, "Hey, uh, husband," which wasn't at the time boyfriend. Yeah. I don't know what you're doing on your hunting trip, but I'm just slaying <laughs> elk over here because that's what us awesome chicks do. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, it was so funny too because um, the guy he was hunting with is like a longtime family friend of mine, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so I texted Travis and I was like, I got one, you know, and, um, they were hunting. So I didn't want to call him because he was hunting. But, um, so I texted him. I was like, I did it. And, um, then like the other guy was like all butthurt. Cause he's like, I've been hunting for six years too. And she goes by herself and darn girls. (laughs) (laughs) But he was like, he was so supportive and so excited for me too. But it's just funny. That it's is funny. a huge accomplishment. So I'm assuming that you have some stuff figured out for this year and you're ready to roll. So, um, yes, we ended up seeing that big bull that mm-hmm. I saw two years ago last season mm-hmm. when we were scouting. And I was like really hoping he'd come into the water tank or that we'd get a chance at him. But then I ended up just shooting the first six point I saw. So... Why wouldn't Darn you? It. But, Darn um, it. I had to shoot that littler six yeah, point. Yeah, it was still like a, I don't know, 280, 290 bull. So a good bull for sure. Fantastic. But, no, um, that's especially like any elk. Yeah, any is elk. Is an accomplishment. I would have shot a spike. Especially with a bow. Um, <laughs> and to get a branch bull uh, solo, all of these things like we talked about is, is and, you know, you put in the work, you had the dream and and you didn't let anything slow you down. And, and when you were talking a minute ago about being self-reliant, um, I think there's a lot of, um, intimidation in taking that step of becoming self-reliant and self-sufficient and being your own guide and owning your own hunt. And, you know, you're living proof that anybody can get out there and do it. You just have to take the steps that are necessary and build that foundation to where you're prepared. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I won't lie. Um, I, I wasn't really worried about, you know, not being safe or anything like that. My biggest, like, it wasn't even really a worry, but my biggest like setback, I guess, going into that hunt by myself was just trusting myself that I was doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Cause like when you go with hunting partners, you can kind of bounce ideas off with them and like, uh, you know, or somebody's like more experienced and they'll be like, I've been in this situation multiple times. So here's what I would do. But when you go off by yourself, you have to just like trust yourself Mm -hmm. that you're doing the right thing. And I think that's like part of the reason why I was like, I wanted to like get up and move instead of just keep you sitting there. You were second there. guessing yourself. I was second guessing myself. Yeah. And so last season, I think the biggest thing I learned um, was just to trust myself because I had one of the best hunting seasons of my entire life yeah. last year. Um, I filled every single one of my tags. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I need to start trusting myself more because yeah. 
clearly I'm doing something right. Mm -hmm. I might not be the best hunter out there. I might not be the most experienced, but what I'm doing is working. So going into this year, I just have a ton of confidence. And um, to answer your question, we are going to go after that big bull from two years ago. It's on. So whether Travis shoots it or I shoot it or one, I don't know, if somebody else that's hunting that area, which we have never seen anybody else in there, somebody else shoots it, I'll be super stoked. But that bull is probably at the peak of his prime this year. Yeah. And so... You're going to give it a crack? Yeah. Yeah. And that's so exciting. I think so much of hunting, like for everybody, is that dream of this year could be my year. And it's like you become a, a slave to the addiction of hunting almost because it's that carrot that's always dangling like, oh, I was so close and this and that. And then you have these, you know, awesome technology of camera pictures that you can see uh, the potential opportunity. And it's so alluring and addicting. And it's what keeps us coming back yeah. every year. Yeah. And being independent, yep. you're not just independent with hunting. You're doing now, you're super into fitness and you have the Miranda method for fitness. So not only are you awesome getting out there and taking on the backcountry solo and being successful with a bow. But you're also inspiring a lot of women and men into being a better version of themselves. Mm -hmm. So when they go out there, not only are you like prepared with like your gear, mental fortitude, but you have the physical ability and stamina to like make that hunt happen, make those heavy hauls and yeah. fill those packs. Yeah. Yeah. For the last few years, um, I've been fitness coaching and um, that had always kind of been a dream of mine too from the time mm -hmm. I was in high school. I was um, really into fitness then and then I powerlifted mm -hmm. in college and kind of got back into it as an adult and had a lot of people asking me if they could, you know, hire me to coach them. And at the time I wasn't a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, um, there's something to this. Yeah. 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 People so, are inspired by what you're doing. So, yeah. So I got into it, um, and started coaching, started a business and that went really well. Um, I really loved it and I'm actually I'm still coaching people, but I've t tuned it back quite a bit and I'm very selective on who I work with now. Um, because a lot of things have transpired yeah. in the last six months. And, um, and now you're like full time <laughs> in the hunting and outdoor industry. Yeah, which, it's so crazy. Uh, you're turning into your dream, which yeah. was when you were younger, you said, look, I want to do this full time. Mm -hmm. And you're taking the steps necessary, which everything is about what steps are you taking today to achieve your goal? It doesn't matter what the goal is. If you have a dream and you do absolutely zero action steps, you're never going to actualize your dream. God's not going to take your dream and just plunk it down in front of you and be like, oh, here you yeah. go. Yeah. You're putting in the work. Yeah. Because success is disguised in clothing that looks like work yeah. and you're putting in the work. So tell yeah. us about your transition into the full-time outdoor industry. Yeah. So honestly, it, it, literally kind of happened by accident and I, I really think it is a God thing but um so Travis and I got married in February mm -hmm. two days before Yogi and I got married <laughs> so funny yeah it was so funny we were like messaging each other I was like, like oh, oh my gosh, gosh you got married <laughs> so funny. Yeah. and like I don't really think you announced that you were getting married on social media I did don't. you I think I announced I was engaged, yeah, but yeah. I wasn't like, oh, tomorrow's this is the wedding the big day. day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. So kind of the same thing. Like um, Travis and I just didn't really tell anyone like the date we were getting married or that we were getting married as soon as we did or mm -hmm. anything. And so it was kind of like a shock to everyone. But we got married, and then um, a couple weeks later, Travis and I left while he guided snow goose mm -hmm. hunts in South Dakota. Um, and we had been like trying to find because we're so nomadic that we like. We haven't bought a house. We're like, I don't even know where we want to live. Mm -hmm. um, we haven't bought a house. We had gotten rid of our other rental when he went to Oregon to guide duck hunts. Mm -hmm. We came back to Montana for like literally just a couple weeks to get married. And then he was like back out onto the road, South Dakota guiding again. And so we still hadn't found a house. And I was like, okay, we have to find a house. So, um, while I'm out in South Dakota, I'm like researching houses and I found this little like 1920s farmhouse in this little like middle of nowhere 
like ranchy town here in Montana. And, um, I texted my dad and I was like, Hey, can you go to the open house and just like see what this place looks like and potentially just throw money down if it looks like it's like livable. And so my parents went out there and they were the first people to show up at the house. And there was like 20 other cars at the house. Oh my that gosh. To rent it. And at this point in time, we'd already gotten three houses rented out from underneath us. So we're like pretty much at the point where we're like, if it's livable, do it, do it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, for some reason, they liked they liked Travis and I, and they chose us to take the house. And um, I don't know why, but I'm super glad they did because um, even though we've had to put quite a bit of work into the house to make it, in my eyes, livable, some people's standards are a little lower than mm-hmm. mine, but um, we spent a lot of time renovating the house and a lot of money renovating the house, and we got paid for some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, taking the time off, running my business to do that. And then when I was in South Dakota, I didn't have internet and really bad Wi-Fi connection. So my business kind of took a toll there. Mm -hmm. And then when I was in Oregon, all the gyms were shut down. So my business took a toll there. Oh yeah. So like COVID has to hit you super hard uh, when you're a personal trainer. Yeah. I got hit pretty hard when it first happened. Like when COVID first happened, like last March. Mm -hmm. Um, And then things kind of really came back full swing. Like very well about June. Um, and from June until November, I was like making more money than I've ever made in my life. And I was loving my job and it was going great. And I was like, yeah, I want to do this like forever. (laughs) Um, and then I went with Travis on his guided duck hunts in Oregon. And then we went to South Dakota and had our wedding in the middle. And, um, my business is just kind of like slowly started fading and I was having a really hard time Mm -hmm. picking the business back up. And I was like doing a lot. Like I was like recording lots of videos, doing lots of educational content. Like my clients were thriving. So Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, trying to get referrals and just like, it seemed like I was just like trying so hard and nothing was happening. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and I think there's a lot of people that are starting businesses or managing families and careers that are trying really hard, but they feel like they're not getting anywhere. And it's really easy to get discouraged. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyways, I was sitting in the kitchen with Travis one night and I was like, babe, like, I don't know what to do because like, I've been doing this now for a few years and I've never had an issue getting clients. I've never had an issue making money. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what to do. And he was like, well, like, do you actually want to do this? And I was Mm -hmm. like, where's your heart? Yeah. And like not having a gym and not having, you know, cell phone service Mm -hmm. and not like really having all the things I needed to run the personal Mm -hmm. training business the way that I'd like to. Yeah. Um, It gave me the time to kind of reflect and go like. Reprioritize. Yeah. Like, how do I actually want to live my life? And I was like, you know, honestly, I would love to be able to go on a hunting trip and not be sitting there stressed out about if my clients are okay Mm -hmm. and um, if I should be checking in with them and if they need anything. Mm -hmm. And it's like for the past few years, all I can think about when I'm out hunting is do my clients need me? And um, he was like, well, I mean... I feel like you can keep doing this, but like, maybe you should consider, you know, what's next or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And he was kind of in the same boat too. Cause he's been guiding for pretty much his whole yeah. adult life. And he's like, I don't even get to hunt for myself. Cause I'm always guiding other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was kind of wanting to make that transition too. And we're just kind of sitting there. Honestly, we had like 150 bucks in the bank account mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm not making any money anytime yeah. soon. You know, like I could do something like that would be out of character or like not something that my values or morals would align with and like try to make quick money. But I just am not that kind of person. And so anyways, we're sitting there going like, okay, well, I guess we just got to pray about it and Mm -hmm. see what happens. And literally the next day we got a call from, um, this like camo company that I now work with, Mm -hmm. um, who we like, partnered with as ambassadors Mm -hmm. like a little over a year ago Mm -hmm. Um, and they were like hey um, can you guys come down to Tennessee in like five days and work this event Um, it's the total archery challenge event and you're like game on (laughs) and I mean I was like I looked at Travis and I was like 
this is kind of interesting. <laughs> um, and so we had to find like a dog sitter and we ended up going and um, they paid like all of our way there and they gave us, you know, a daily, a small daily rate mm -hmm. to be there and stuff. It wasn't a whole lot, but um, it did help us like kind of pay our bills and stuff for the rest of the month. And then um, that went really well. Um, we ended up getting feedback saying that um, it was very well received and mm -hmm. they were like, we want you guys to come and do this more often. Yeah. So then they ended up calling us and asking us if we could drive their truck and trailer with all the gear from Montana to Pennsylvania to Michigan and then down to Texas. So we were just on the road for a little over three weeks, um, just driving the trailer around and working at the different total archery challenge events and shooting our bows and meeting people and living not, your dream. Yeah. And then, um, that was supposed to just be like a part time, not a part time, but like a one time kind yeah. of deal. And, um, while we were driving from Michigan down to Texas to park the trailer, um, we got a call from the owner and founder of the company and he was like, so do you guys want like a full-time job? Oh, that's so, <laughs> so awesome. Answers to prayers yeah. are always incredible. Yeah. And the cool part about that whole situation is, um, that company, they take care of their people, um, financially and mentally, emotionally, like it's just a really good culture. Um, and then on top of that, um, they're extremely supportive and want us to create our own personal brand mm -hmm. as well. So creating content for our own channels while we're on the road. They're supportive um, of, yeah. Yeah, they like want us to do that. So that's pretty much what we're doing now. Like it's just got a full-time job basically traveling around. Um, they're going to kind of help us out with some hunting stuff on along the way, hunting in different states while we're traveling. And it sounds like we get to take the month of September off as well to just kind of go hunting. hunt. Hunt so, that big bull. Yes. So It's really funny. One of the reasons I'm, I was kind of drawn to um, meeting you also is because we have such a really similar life path. So in my 20s, I was doing the same thing. I was competitive bodybuilding. I uh, was a personal trainer. I was doing nutrition consulting because um, I have a allied healthcare and nutrition and primarily working with competitors and then people with diabetes. And um, I got an opportunity to go to work for Under Armour Clothing and I helped them launch their women's hunt division. Hmm. Um, very similar paths that you and I have taken yeah. in life. But um, it's interesting. I think the biggest thing is making that jump for people from where you are to where you want to be. And sometimes you look at this crack in the ground and you're like, oh my gosh, that looks so far. And that's why they call it a leap of faith. Because you have to have that faith that you can actually get there and land and you're going to survive and not only survive, but you're going to thrive. And I think your story with being a young woman, hunting, doing it yourself, taking on a career path, evaluating your life and saying, hey, I can do this. It's so much mental fortitude and, and faith and confidence. And um, I think there's a lot of inspiration to that because I know there's a lot of people out there listening that are in a similar space in their life where maybe they're not happy with their job or they're not happy with a situation and they want to make those changes, but they're afraid to take that first step. Yeah. And some people are afraid to pray for it, but heaven forbid, like get on those knees and pray to God for what, you know, your, what is on your heart. Thank him. And, um, you know, that's the greatest way, you know, what we put out there in the world, in our mind, in our heart, through our prayers, through our spoken word, in our relationship with the Lord, really, really defines who we end up becoming. And, and it's through hard work. You know, you and your husband went out there on the road, you worked hard, you did a good job, you represented the brand well, and you're rewarded for that. And that's mm -hmm. how it should be. Yeah. And it, I mean, I don't know. It was so crazy because like we had started to dabble into potentially creating a YouTube channel mm -hmm. and, um, you and know, why doing not? some photography stuff. Yeah. And we kind of, we kind of did start, but, um, it was, I was just so focused on trying to building my other, trying to build my other business. That Are you I didn't... still doing the Miranda method and fitness consulting? Yes, I am. But like I said, very few select clients, like it's going to be very, um, 
very targeted people who kind of already have their stuff together. They just need a little extra. Yeah. Because I don't have the mental capacity or time anymore to like walk, hold somebody's hand and walk them the whole way. It is a lot of work, especially when you're helping people with a fitness journey or a fitness goal, because we have ups and downs in life is very normal. Um, But when you're a coach, you always have to be that anchor. And sometimes that can be hard to set an anchor and hold people up. Um, And and it does take a lot of, it takes takes a lot of energy and and good for you for recognizing that and, you know, where you are in that space. And, and a lot of athletes, you know, you get to a certain point as an athlete and it takes a specific type of trainer to get you to that next level. And a lot of it is a mental mindset. Um, uh, Judy Wagner uh, from Montana Silversmiths, her daughter travels with a lot of professional cowboys because she mental coaches them on the road. And so much of what we do is mental when it comes to success or achievement or accomplishment or just like taking that step and getting out the door. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it does take a lot sometimes. And that's why having a coach, having help, yeah. like we don't have to do this walk in life by ourselves. Yeah. So I think like, honestly, the, the kind of the route that we're, I think going to take with our personal brand um, is we're going to put some education out there, mm-hmm. mostly just kind of a lot of people like will film like short hunts and stuff like that, short films of hunts and stuff like that. I think we're going to do that a little bit, but I think what we're going to do is start to do like an educational series through that. Mm-hmm. So saying like, okay, the deer's over there. Here's kind of going to be our plan of approach to mm-hmm. stalk this deer. Mm-hmm. And we'll kind of show you guys like if it works out, if it doesn't work mm-hmm. out and just kind of like do an educational mm-hmm. series of like, like different real life hunting situations yeah. and how to approach them and not really how to approach them, but how we decide to approach them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then show people <laughs> like allow people to learn through us, you know, mm-hmm. learn through our, you know, successes and failures. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's how we're going to do things a little bit different. Um, but other than that, as far as like how we're going to potentially make some money with our personal Mm -hmm. brand. Um, I think we're going to continue to do a little bit of fitness coaching, but it's Mm -hmm. mostly going to be like programs for sale Mm -hmm. for specifically like um, outdoor athletes. Mm -hmm. So hunting specifically Mm -hmm. Um, while we were on the East coast and the other side of the States, like it's so funny how everyone out there is like, I want to go hunt West. Mm -hmm. I want to go hunt West. Mm -hmm. And um, we had so many conversations of how to prepare physically, what the right gear you need yeah. is, um, you There's know, a lot of how to plan your that. hunts. Mm-hmm. So I think we're just going to potentially slowly work our way into doing kind of like hunt consulting. Mm-hmm. So training and prepping for a Western hunt and just kind of target, you know, most people from the East coast or beginner hunters here. What advice do you have for people getting started that you could give based on your own experience right now? Like what are some of the biggest takeaways of advice you could give? Yeah. Um, you know, This is kind of what I would tell people that I've talked to out on the road. Mm -hmm. Um, Find a tag that you can easily get. Usually that's probably going to be a deer tag. A lot of the time elk are going to hang out in the same place as deer. Deer tag is going to be a lower cost of entry for a lot of people. Um, There's a lot of public land that you can hunt deer on. There's a lot of states that have an over-the-counter deer tag. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you can get out there and you can experience Western hunting, like maybe deer hunting, Mm -hmm. and then find the elk, find the places where they're hanging out in. um, And that way, like the next year, you know what to expect. You can put in for that elk tag and um, potentially draw it. You're already ahead of the game. And even Um, antelope is great for a Western big game hunt. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned doing a women's, like a mentorship, like a camp. What, what is it that you were involved in or what is it that you would recommend that you, you know, maybe some potential resources that you have access that have worked well for you. You also mentioned total archery challenge, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, so I used to, I I still own the business, but I used to run a women's outdoor adventure company as Mm -hmm. well. I took women like hiking and backpacking Mm -hmm. and taught them a lot of like survival skills and all that kind of stuff. Um, I've kind of stepped away from that a little bit too, because when you get too many irons in the fire, none of them are done right. That's (laughs) a fact. Um, So... But I, I have a lot of recommendations on different, you know, places and things to do. Um, Sisterhood of the Outdoors, mm-hmm. have you heard of them? Mm-hmm. Um, 
they do a lot of like women's community guided hunts yeah. and stuff like that. That'd be a great place to start mm -hmm. if you are a woman and you want to get into hunting and you kind of are entry level and you want to learn from mm -hmm. other women. Um, they are guided hunts. So mm -hmm. um, you'll get a guide that can kind of teach you and you'll be able to hang out with other ladies in the yeah. industry. Um, I haven't personally been on any of those trips before, but just after leading a lot of women's adventures mm -hmm. and stuff over the years. It's a good place years, to go. First Hunt Foundation fun. is another really good one. Yeah. Um, and they specialize in a lot of youth hunts uh, for kids that want to get involved. Um, and then Raise Them Outdoors. Aaron Crooks has Raise Them Outdoors for, for younger kids um, where the moms can bring their kids in to Raise Them Outdoors. And they have this fantastic learning environment where the parents learn alongside the kids. Mm -hmm. So you can take that home and practice together. So yeah. it's a super awesome yeah. um, curriculum. And then also, I would say nonprofits, if you can get involved yeah. with a with a nonprofit like Safari Club. Yeah. Um, those local chapter outreach programs, they have educational programs is incredible as well. Yeah. Yeah. Anything like that, um, you know, finding some sort of mentor. I found mm -hmm. mentors in the local archery shop. I found mentors, you know, that are my dad's friends, you know, asking my dad to mm -hmm. help me and like really teach me, mm -hmm. um, you know, Travis's dad, grandpa, you know, there's so many like your friends, parents, um, you know, people you meet in random places. I've met some of the like strangest people in random places yeah. and they're like, Hey, you know, come out and do this. Like start taking people up on those offers. Mm -hmm. People are going to invite you to come do stuff and go do it, do it. <laughs> make time for it. I, I time doesn't make itself. You have to make time. Yeah. So start, you know, start saving, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month mm -hmm. and, just invest that into yourself and into your hunting because, mm -hmm. um, you know, you get towards the season or you get to where you have to apply for tags. And next thing you know, you don't have the money to do it. And you're like, well, there goes another year of not, I'm you not know, active, actively it. pursuing your dream. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just start saving, even if it's a, even if it's 50 bucks a month, mm -hmm. even if it's a hundred bucks a month, like just start putting something away mm -hmm. um, so that when you do get to the, you know, next season, you have a little bit of cash flow to dump into, you know, putting in for that tag or um, hiring a guide if you want a guide or, you know, flying out to see your friend who invited you to mm -hmm. hunt with them. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, make sure that you're training your body, you know, eating the right foods, like getting ready for different hunting situations, um, hiking a bunch, putting a ba backpack on. If you're going to be Western hunting and you're going to be hiking, like put a yeah. backpack on and start getting used to what that feels like. Um, be consistent in the gym, like whether that's, you know, doing more cardio stuff or if you're not feeling super strong, lifting weights. Um, I always am a proponent of lifting weights. But, oh, yes. Especially um, for women. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just... Just start doing the little things like meeting people, connecting with people, finding a mentor, finding somebody who's Reach already done. Reach out to people on Instagram and just invite them into your space. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of what I did with um, Christy and with Jana Waller and some of mm -hmm. these other ladies who, you know, have several years ahead of me and several more years of experience mm -hmm. in the industry. And like, this is our first time meeting, Yay. but like... Um, I got a free yeah. ride. Let's be honest. <laughs> I didn't have to pay for an Uber. So it's a pretty good deal for me. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, I was super All joking excited. aside, no. Um, Wish we could have spent more time together. But. I know. Well, it's a short trip. This is a really short trip for me. Um, and I'm just thankful that you were able to make space to have this conversation because I think it's so important for other young women to see a young woman um, because, I mean, I'm a middle-aged woman. <laughs> Not to, like, I don't want to put an age stamp on anything, but you're a young woman and you're getting out there and getting it done. And there's a lot of young women, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, that can look to you and be like, wow, you know, she's figuring out a way to make this happen and I can too. And that's very profound. And um, I really hope that people that, you know, maybe don't follow you start following you. So with that being said, how can people find you? Yeah. So I, I just, I'm on Instagram the most. So it's just at Miranda.huff. And my name is spelt kind of funky. I'm sure you'll probably tie it. It actually looks like Hogue. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I keep botching yeah. her name horribly. Um, I apologize. It's M-A-R-A-N-D-A dot H-O-U-G-H. So if you guys want to follow along Miss Miranda's fitness journey, her journey as a Western big game hunter, archer, um, 
everything, you know, she's so inspirational and I've really enjoyed following along on your journey and it's been so much fun. When, when you arrowed that bowl last year, I think I jumped for joy almost as high as you did. Probably not. But um, I was so stoked for you. I'm like, yes, she got it done. And, um, you know, join and follow other women. Get involved with other women. And let's all, like, really work to celebrate each other. Because there's a lot of women that get super competitive. And we don't always... Sometimes for ladies and men, it's not easy to celebrate each other's successes. And I think it's important that we surround ourselves with people that are going to celebrate our success. Mm -hmm. And I... Um, hold on, you have a fuzz on your head now. That just came in, don't <laughs> <Cotton>. worry. Uh, <laughs> I really think it's important that we celebrate each other. And I'm just really excited to follow along on your success and be part of part of your journey, even from afar. So you guys, check out Miranda online. I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Montana Big Sky Country. We just pulled up a rock and made ourselves at home. <laughs> and I hope you guys get out in the woods and do the same for yourself. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Wild and Uncut podcast. If you would like to hear more, be sure to subscribe to my Pursue the Wild digital series on YouTube and follow me at Christy Titus on Facebook and Instagram.